Hello, good people. You are back. I am Gregory. And you're here again. And I'm here again. So let's have some fun. Hey, guess what, everybody? It's almost November. Unless you're hearing this later in the month or the year, and it is November. Or if you're hearing it later than later, it was November. <laughs> anyway, anywho. We're just a few days here before Halloween, the scary day of the year. And um, kids in costumes and parties and all kind of crazy shit is going to be going down. So, lots of fun to look forward to if you are a costumey or a passer-outer of candy, whatever that would be, a distributor of sweetness. Everyone have fun. That's, that's the most ghoulish voice I can come up with. That's it. That's all I got. Anyway, that's a long way of saying, happy October. And with October comes change in the weather. And that's what I want to talk about right now. It just popped in my head. I had a normal story that I'm going to get to in a minute. But I just started thinking about these things with the weather. And I looked at the temperature because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Yeah, I do that. I check the weather and it determines which row in my closet I go to. And I started thinking, hmm. I should wear a coat. And which coat should I put on? Do I need a regular jacket or a light jacket? Can I wear like a little hoodie? Or do I need to wear like a spring-ish fall jacket? Now, it's funny I'm asking that question to myself because when I was a kid, um, I would just put on anything, any kind of jacket. And I remember my parents yelling at me, put a coat on, put a hat on your head. And I'm like, man, fuck that. I'm going outside. I'm trying to be cool looking. I ain't about to put no hat on, no gloves, no earmuffs. I'm 14 years old. And I get sick eventually. I'd be sick and get sick and have a little flu or cold or whatever the hell happens when you get sick. And, you know, they talk about me, give me some shit. I didn't care. And um, maybe I put a hat on for a couple of days after I got better, but I was right back to my same old shit. So now, here I am, years, years later, with my own kids. And guess what they do? They don't wear coats at all. Now, I, I, I've noticed a difference because while we wore little jackets, a lot of kids wear hoodies now. And I don't know if it's just my neighborhood or my kids or the kids around my kids' friends, but no one really wants to wear coats anymore. I don't, I don't get it. Like, um, my kid, one of my kids asked for some money to get a coat, and he comes back with a hoodie. And maybe I missed something. Maybe there was an update to the Webster where the definition of coat changed to hoodie. I was not alerted of this. I didn't get an email, a text message, or anything. But apparently, this has changed. Well, to some for some people. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, you go outside, and it's cold. And when you ask them why they don't wear coats, the explanations are almost, you know, leaving, they actually leave me speechless. Like, what do you say? I've been told that, well, you know, I'm just going outside, and I'm getting in the car, and I'm going to the school, and I'm not going to be outside that long, so I'm going to get cold. By the way, that's my kid voice, my raspy kid voice. My, I don't go outside. So anytime you hear that voice, that's a kid. And I don't get it. Like, you see them out there, and they're freezing, but they tell you, tell you that I cold. Then when it's warm outside, they wear hoodies and long sleeve shirts. Some days it's so hot, I've watched kids walk down the street with hoodies on and a hood. I'm like, dude, it's like 88 degrees, the sun is out. I'm barely making it out here with shorts on and a tank top. And here you are, hoodied up. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. Kids are weird. So, um, now that I've said that you all, if you haven't noticed it before, you'll notice it around you that kids are walking around with hoodies on and 
maybe t-shirts or tank not t-shirts what do they call sweatshirts or sweaters or thick sweaters and maybe a little hat but nothing that's substantial enough to, to protect them from the weather so and uh don't even get me started on boots so yeah um i guess that's the way to say my um that's not psa i guess to parents to to keep your insurance up and keep the drugs in your house because they're gonna need them so hey doesn't bother me one bit so i don't know so but nonetheless i have my winter coat already said i got me a brand new winter hat i do that every year now the other period of time i wore small jackets but after a while i realized what the fuck am i doing why am i wearing a smaller jacket i, I i'm cold and as an older person, I don't like being cold. I, I see. I understand why my, 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 my grandparents used to have a winter coat on. Well, my granddad would have a winter coat on today. My granddad, he was older and probably was a little colder than normal because you start getting colder the older you get for some reason. Body can't regulate. I don't know. Not older, but like old. Like not 70, but like old. Like maybe, maybe they do, but I know my grandfather definitely did. My grandmother wore a coat all the time and her big hats. But, uh, yeah, that's what I do. So I, I got my coat ready. Uh, I've got my new hat, my boots. I got my boots ready for snow days. Uh, gloves. I don't think I have. I, you know, I lose gloves every year. What does that say about a person who can't keep up with gloves every year? Irresponsible? I don't know. And it's just winter gloves because, like, my other gloves I wear for other stuff, I have them still. So, mm, I'm looking at a pair of gloves right now. I mean, they're, they're cycling gloves, and they're not good when it's 30 degrees. But I have them. I, that's what I have. I have some leather gloves. I haven't seen them all summer. Maybe I put them, put them in my coat pockets. I have to look and see. So, who knows? And that's, that's another thing I do, too, as I've gotten older. Not only do I leave the house with a hat and gloves and a coat on, but I also carry a spare jacket in the trunk. It's not always for me. A lot of times it's for a kid in case a kid gets in my car and they're cold. Or, for whatever reason, I don't have my coat immediately with me. It could be a day where, you know, like, you know, the fall days in the Midwest where um, you wake up in the morning, it's cold, and by noon it's warm, but 3 o'clock in the afternoon it's raining and it's like dropped 15 degrees, and you might have gone out to lunch with just your shirt on because you're like, it's cool, but you come back and it's freezing. You got to get a jacket or it might start raining or snowing or both at the same time. So you never know. And so I do that just to cover my mistakes because I know that, my base DN, my base uh, software that I'm operating on, at one point in time, allowed me to go outside without a coat on. So, I understand that I can do that again. I can fall. I can fall victim to my own um, flaws. So I protect myself. Much like I keep three pairs of sunglasses in my car. But another story for another day. So, um, how do you guys do it? What do you guys do to? kind of uh, cover or uh, minimize the damage for children your kids when they're um, out in the cold do you or would you give your child your your coat and um, what age they're cut off if you would like I mean you give your 10 year old your jacket but would you give your 17 year old your jacket if he was freezing with a hoodie on would you really I don't think I would I'd second guess that one it's a good question just asking think about it so, I ran that one a little bit longer than I wanted to. I didn't want to talk about that for a few minutes. But, um, just want to put it out there and see what you guys thought about it. Uh, basically, I understand that kids are dumb. Um, and adults are just dumb kids that got big. So, <laughs> we, all, we all kind of fall in, those same, in that same category. So, um, let me know what you think. Now, um, 
my main story today that I want to talk about isn't a story about me for once. It's not a story that happened to me. It's not a story that is about me or someone that knows me. This is something I read today that was so shocking. Um, I had to bring it up and tell you about it. Uh, I, I don't believe it. I'm having a hard time really wrapping, my, wrapping my mind around what happened here. But um, apparently this is real. I actually looked up on a few other sites and um, this stuff happens. So, uh, you may remember, if not, back in 2017, there was a case of a girl, a uh, girl whose boyfriend committed suicide um, by uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. And it was later found that she was text messaging him, encouraging him to kill himself, and like he obliged. And they ended up charging her, trying to charge her, and she ended up getting a little time in the end. What's her name? Michelle Carter. Yeah, back in 2017, she ended up getting a five, 15 months sentence. Um, her defense was First Amendment rights, free speech. She could say what she wanted to. Um, as a result of that, they came up with this law. It's called Conrad's Law. Basically making it, making... Uh, coercing anyone to commit suicide punishable for of up to a penalty of up to five years basically saying that look if you tell somebody to kill themselves and they do it you're going to be responsible to some degree under this law and uh, like I said that was back in 2017 and now here we are in 2019 we've had another case yes that's right uh, this was kind of, kind of, I don't know. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to tell you the story. I, 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 and now I'm, I'm going to say what I think. I'm going to my, my, I'm give my opinion. So, again, this is in Massachusetts. The other case is in Massachusetts. I'm not going to Massachusetts. Something in the water. But apparently these two Boston College students, one was a um, young man graduating 22, Alexander Utola. You can call him Alex. And his girlfriend, Etwan Yu, who's a year younger than him, still a student in school, um, uh, was mentally and verbally abusive to him. I mean, it wasn't a secret. You know, unlike the other case, the earlier case, this was a boyfriend and girlfriend who were in constant contact. And as I understand it, the other case, the older case, they were not really in contact during this. But this recent one here today with uh, Ms. Yu, over the last two months, you know, had about 75,000 text messages. Apparently, she was texting them every day. I mean, the majority of them were her. I mean, 47,000, almost 50,000 text messages were hers. And uh, it all came to a head on the day of his graduation where, you know, in a parking structure, he basically does a swan dive off the top, uh, the top floor of the, um, the uh, parking deck. Um they hadn't been together very long. They're only 22 years old, so they just have like a just under two-year relationship, like 18 months. And they're saying that she contributed to the relationship to uh, to um, his death through threats of self-harm, for through threats of uh, self-harm, um, convincing him to hurt himself, basically. Now, she's since left the United States and gone back to South Korea, um, as to be expected. She dropped out of school. 
and went back home. And now they're looking at getting what the red state, a red police, or I forget what red, I forget what it's called. I, I, like I said, I just looked this up uh, to try to get her to come back. They're hoping she'll come back voluntarily. <laughs> if not, they're going to extradite her. Help. Excuse me. Here's the piece of this that I'm trying to wrap my head around. I'm kind of I'm kind of torn. On one hand, I'm like, it's a shitty thing to fuck with somebody like that, especially if you know that they're um, they have a potential to hurt themselves. It's really messed up. It's kind of like somebody who's a crack addict, who's recovering, and you just leaving crack around the house, and then acting like I didn't make them take it; I just put it on the counter. You're contributing. You kind of create an environment that's detrimental. However, there's another part of me that says, what does it take for someone to convince you to kill yourself? And if I think honestly, like, if I'm trying to put myself in his shoes, you know, in an 18-month relationship, let's say he knew each other two years, so a two-year relationship, so late teens or late 20s, you're dating someone who's very controlling. So much controlling in this case. In fact, family members, friends, classmates, they all witnessed it. They all saw it. So it wasn't a secret. And the young man actually was journal writing about it in his journal. So this is this is common knowledge. Everyone knew that she was detrimental. Detrimental to his health. Um But still, that piece plays a part into it as well for me. If I'm in a relationship and I can't get out, which is what I'm going to say, because it is a it is a form of domestic violence. It is domestic violence. If someone you're with is actually harming you physically or mentally, it is a form of domestic violence. No one stepped in. And I understand it can be hard to break up a relationship because he could have probably said to his mother, she said something, Mom, you don't understand. She's okay. I can deal with her. I love her, whatever, whatever. Um, and I again, I don't see where anyone did step in. But if no one stepped in, I mean, or said anything on his behalf to him, not so much to her, because I get it. Um, what does that say about his environment, the people around him? Now, I'm pretty sure they did say something. Somebody had to say something like, dude, this chick is crazy as hell. You need to get out of here. Um, but if he wasn't listening, maybe maybe there wasn't a benefit there. Maybe there wouldn't benefit him at all, you know? But I still get back to my main point of what it takes to kill yourself. And that, that's a question, even after the first case I heard, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, my first thought was like, that would never be me. And I'm strongly feeling like I would never do that. I mean, I couldn't can see somebody convincing me that I wish you would die, just kill yourself, didn't do it. Um, in the first case, from 2017, with the young, uh, with Michelle Carter, he was suffering from depression. So it was more so like he was leaning over the edge and she was pushing him. However, if I recall correctly from that story, there were messages where he was talking about killing himself and she wasn't really discouraging. She was more so encouraging it. Um, I don't know. I couldn't find anywhere where they were talking about what these text messages stated that she sent. But if it was a different scenario where he wasn't expressing self-harm, that's a little different. Now, I know that I did see something where she would send him messages saying she was threatening to harm herself. But I didn't see anything where he 
responded with similar comments. So it brings in the question, at least to me, what was his mental state like? If he was of sound mind and body, that's really scary. Because if you're of sound mind, I mean, and he didn't drop out of school, he was about to graduate. So he went through the whole process that, for what I see so far, so far, there hasn't been anything that's shown he had suicidal tendencies or had done self-harm to himself in the past. But even with that, maybe in a relationship, the girlfriend saw things that let her know maybe, eh, he's walking on eggshells. So, I think in this case, she's more responsible for his death than the first. The first case, the, I, I, the first guy I looked at it, I said, that young man would have probably hurt himself later in life if he hadn't done it then. This case here, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's kind, of a, kind of a toss, kind of toss up a little bit. Um, and I probably will follow up to the story as I hear more. Because... It's a very interesting subject. This is the second case in just two years of something like this happening. So there has to be some kind of basis to this. There has to be something that's um, uh, what do you say? Some sort of um, previous cases or you wonder how many cases have gone on like this where there's been no reporting of it or it's just gone down into suicide. Or what about with um, prior to text messaging where they weren't people weren't texting? Or what about cases where people aren't texting? They're just saying them to you verbally or over the phone or in private. You know, it's 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 kind of um, it's kind of a scary thing, you know, because you never really know. And going back to my original comment about the family being around, truth be truth be told, you know, when you're in a relationship, even if you're living at home, and he was probably on campus. You don't have people around you every day, so they don't know what your day-to-day situation is like or your relationship is like. They don't even know what you tell them or what they see from time to time. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping they get her back. I feel like the fact that she ran and left, went back to Korea, South Korea, shows that she's probably guilty. You know, she, she, she knows she did something wrong. And I'm hoping that they actually, you know, get her back here because, you know, you can't. It's it, somebody like this is a is is a monster. To do something like that to someone who's on the edge, or might have some forms of depression, and you push them over the edge just because for what you no know, for whatever reason, she'll do it again. She'll do it again. So you know, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't really feel bad for her I don't one of, this not one of the things I say I hope she gets back here I hope she doesn't get charged because that's crazy because you kill yourself it's your fault I don't know I don't know anymore I mean the other period of time where I probably would have said that but now like I say looking at these on a case by case basis this is one of the ones where I'm like yeah and yeah, she's a she's a piece of work <laughs> she's a piece of work this was this was some shit Oh, I mean, it, it provokes thought. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, what would it take, or how would you deal with a relationship like this if you were with someone who was, you know, being mentally abusive to you? Um, if you were suffering, and they were just, just not letting up, 
you know, because if you open yourself up, you're in a relationship, you open yourself up to someone, they can use that against you. So now this person that you're with, this, I mean, I'm creating a scenario here, they're, they're using your weaknesses against you. Uh-uh. Sorry, I don't know what's going on there. It's getting contagious, he's yawning. But, you know, they're using your weakness, your, your, your um, depression, your anxiety, whatever may be against you. And if they're smart enough, they can manipulate you into doing a lot of things. It happens all the time. I mean, I don't hear a lot of suicide cases. I mean, you hear about women convincing men to kill their own wife to be with them or kill their husband, the woman's husband or boyfriend, so they can be together. And these guys do it and end up in prison telling their story from death row. So it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, um, it doesn't um, surprise me that it can happen. I guess it's a new way of looking at it. That's for for me. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a new it's, it's, a, it's a new world. Um, and like I said, these things could have been happening for years. We just never heard about them. But now that we're hearing about them, it's you know something to think about. So, uh, you know, what do you? Um, next thing I think about is like, what do you tell your kids when you're? You know, you're raising kids and they're going off to college and they're leaving home. How do you, you know, notice changes in them when they're in situations like this? You know, because I saw the picture of her. No, she's like an average girl. I mean, she didn't look violent. I mean, you know, didn't like she was crazy. You know how we can know some people you can look at and say, oh, you look crazy. No, she didn't look crazy. She probably dating somebody right now. And he don't know. He don't know one thing. She's over there chilling, having a good time. And she dating somebody else. And he could be the next one on her list off another parking structure hmm. how do you prepare your children for it? how do you pre- prepare yourself if you're a young person I mean how do you, you know prepare yourself mentally for it because it's not so much physical it's more for mental this is crazy it's a, it's like a, it's like a perfect storm like you found someone who's a, 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 a massive manipulator and she found someone who's extremely vulnerable she was dominant. She was aggressive. And he wasn't. Either she sought him out or he sought her out for comfort. But how the relationship came about, I mean, this is something that, you know, we you don't see it until it's too late. I mean, his parents were at his graduation. She was there with every graduation. And here their son is killing himself, probably less than a mile from where they were. The happiest day of their life. And their son is dying because his girlfriend is well, killing himself because his girlfriend is egging him on to do it. I don't know what sparks this type of mindset. I don't know. And I'd be interested to see how many cases there are like this. I mean, I don't think there are a lot. But I'm curious to see how many cases are like this. Yeah. Uh, so I reserve judgment entirely, you know, like I said, until we get some more information, especially on in this case. See if he had issues. See if he had problems. Like I said, the first case that young that young man, young man had issues. Um, yeah, it's not too hard to push a car off a cliff when it's hanging on a, hanging on by one wheel. But if you're driving on a road to get that car to drive off to, to veer left and just ride off into the gully, that's that's something totally different. So let's see what happens. I'll keep you guys updated on it.
And uh, yeah, write me. Let me know if you guys have any comments on that subject or story. If you know any piece, any details on it that haven't come out yet, or anything you've heard on other sites, I think I checked this on a major media, media uh, major media outlets, just to get some information on it. So let me know what you think. All right, folks, we're gonna cut it right there. I think that's enough for tonight. I think I've depressed us enough. No, wait a minute. Let's not always leave on a bad note. I always say we don't want to leave on a bad note. We leave on a sad note. This last thing you hear, the last thing you hear, should hear should not be disappointing. That's that's my thing. It shouldn't be depressing or a downer. So let's see. I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna make you smile a little bit. It's gonna be a little funny. Let's go back some years. All right, now you don't know this about me, but I haven't always had sit down cushy jobs. I wear nice stuff to work and eat snacks and breakfast and on an eight-hour shift work six hours. No, 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 no. There was a time where I actually worked in a field, baby. Okay, not an actual field. We haven't done that for years. And I wouldn't do it even if they wasn't hiring me to do that now because I'm not doing that shit. No, I actually worked in construction. Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. I actually was working for an electrical contractor, right? And my job was, um, basically, I wasn't an electrician, but I got in a trade through my family. I needed a job. I started being a summer helper. And something about being in an electrical trade, it was a union, it was a union shirt trade, union shop. So you guys all unionized. And um, you, I got in there based on my family name. But it's not a huge union. You know I mean, it's not a huge group of people. You're not talking about ten million people, you know, a million people. You're talking about a, a, a group of people, folks, the guy, guys and ladies that know each other, and names stick around. So, mom, I think my dad worked in the in trade for like I don't know how long, twenty, thirty years, something like that. I don't know. And people knew him, and they knew the name. So when I show up on the on, on the site, the job, they're like. You such and such kid? I said, yeah. So, ah, shit. Come on over here, man. Now, uh, side note. Anytime someone says that, you're always apprehensive. I don't care if it's a parent or not. You don't know who your parents are at work or out in the city, out in the streets, rather. You don't know. You might end up getting ass whipped because your pops or moms owe somebody $25 or a pack of smokes. So, I was like, hey, if he owe you money, I can give you his phone number. That's the best I can do. That's my joke. The first thing I said. They started laughing. Now, I'm a young kid now. I'm 21. Not even, yeah, 21. So, this is where I am. Um, I'm naive, but I made that joke. I'm like, that's just funny. So, I do this job for a while. I bounce around from site to site, different places. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. And eventually, I ended up in the shop with an electrical outfit. Um, electrical shop. I ended up in the shop doing shop work. And one day, they come to me and say, Greg, we got another job for you. I say, a word? Yeah. Uh, they want to reassign you. They want to send you out to um, St. <laughs> Clair Powerhouse. Now, by this time, I'm probably 22 years old, maybe 23. Cause I stuck around for a while. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, St. Clair Powerhouse or powerhouses in general, 
This one was the powerhouse for what was it at the time Edison. I think it's I don't know. I think it's probably owned by DTE now. Detroit Energy Technology. I don't forget what it stands for. I can't think of that. DT Energy. Um, electricity isn't powered by electricity. If you've never been to a powerhouse, you've never even thought about the how electricity is created or generated, it's through coal. Alright? Yeah. And um, usually they're in places that are far away from cities. They're more sort of in rural areas. So I was driving 54 miles to get this St. Clair powerhouse. Now, I must tell you, I was 22 years old. I was broke, and I had a pair of shitty boots and a shitty coat. It was a Carhartt coat, but it was still shitty. I don't know where that coat went. But it's not here. I don't know where it went. Those boots probably died on my feet. I just didn't know it. The boots are so bad that the soles are worn on the sides. I was walking on the side of my feet. Um, I had jeans on that were like, they weren't Levi jeans. They were jeans. So they looked the part, but they weren't tough. I had gloves based off when I got off sites. I had a skull cap because if I didn't, I would have froze my head off. Uh, and I wore long johns, uh, long sheets. I wore, I wore the, I wore the outfit. You see guys outside in the cold working. That's how I was dressed. Even to this day now, when I see you guys outside working, I, I, I cry a little bit because I, because I know what they're going through. And this day of this job taught me two things. One. Cold next to the water is colder. And two, I am apparently too soft to be outside and be an electrician. This is a job that made me realize that being out here doing this is not for me. Now, I get on the job site and the job foreman comes up to me and says, Womack. I say, all right, sign then. You're going to be with this guy and that guy. Now, typically, side note, when they put me on these jobs, it wasn't a fully staffed site. I was usually there when the job site first started. I was there when they were putting, like, piping. I was there when they were doing the crap work. Whether there's trenches dug for, like, pipe, for electrical lines, or, um, in this case, where they're running electrical down for <laughs> a conveyor belt. So, Foreman puts me these two guys. I can't remember their names. Doesn't even matter. I can tell you one guy was younger, but he was older than me. And the other guy was an older cat. So, we walk out to the back, and there's this hole in the ground. Like, a, like, like not a hole hole, but like a tunnel. Going in like a mm, 30 or 25, 30, 25 or 30 degree angle. That's hard to engage. So, and it's 500 feet long. Now, what they do is, it was just an empty tunnel. And halfway through it, maybe like 80% of the way down, maybe like 350 feet down, there's a hole in the ceiling, and there's a, a drop. So if you walk 300 feet, there's a drop that's about 25, 30 feet. And this is where they would dump the coal in. So at that point where that hole is in the ceiling, the floor 
has a hole in it as well. Now, mind you, this is a new This is a new build. So they had just poured the concrete for the tunnel. There are no lights other than the ones we bring. There is no electricity, no power, except for that that we bring. So, you're in a tunnel in February that's concrete, surrounded on the surface by piles and piles of coal. And above you, there are lights that are strung up as if Spider-Man came through and put his web anywhere. When I asked one of the guys, I said, why are the lights up there like that? And they said to me, this is Edison. They can do whatever they want. There are no regulations here. I said, what? He said, yeah, they, they can do this. It's fine. So a spider web of big old gigantic dinosaur lights, like you see on the freeway, those big old dinosaur egg lights, which are bigger than you think they are the bulbs, are strung up randomly across this field where it's freezing. Um, one of the dudes tells me, he says, hey, when you're walking on this tunnel, if the power goes out, stop walking. If you keep walking, you fall in the hole and you'll kill yourself. I said, shit. How often does the power go out? Well, the generator died. You got to put more fuel in it. Just, just listen. Just stop walking. You'll be fine. You ever been scared shitless yet until you can't show it and you have to keep going like ain't nothing bothering you because you don't want to be the bitch ass that they talk about for crying in the tunnel? That was me. I did tell you I was 22 or 23. Maybe I was 22. This was the 90s, so I was... I wasn't 23. I was probably just... I was, oh, my God, I was young. So, I made it through my first couple of days. And it got to be a little fun, you know. As anything is. You know, after you do it for a little while, it gets to be fun. You cool, you wait. However, I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, I was broke. On top of being broke, I was young. Funny thing is, when you're on these job sites like this, these construction jobs, you don't really know where you're going to be, and you don't know if there are places around to eat. So, if you have $10, you might get lucky and find a little podunk restaurant across the street that serves probably the best sandwiches in the town. Or best hot dogs or burgers you ever had. But if you're in the middle of nowhere, you can't drive 30 minutes to find a McDonald's. You ain't going to make it back. And culturally, these guys didn't leave the job site. They all brought their lunch because they've been working these jobs for years. So they didn't need to leave. They brought a pail with a sandwich, their coffee, their juice, whatever they had, their drink, whatever. And that's what they ate. You look like a you look like a rookie leaving a job site to go get lunch. I did it a lot of times because I ain't had no lunch. And on different jobs. Now, on this job, there was really nowhere to go. There was a gas station maybe three miles from the job site. It's a marathon station. It's in the middle of nowhere. And this marathon station didn't have one of the little rotisseries where they had hot dogs and stuff. Like you can go in the city and get you a hot dog and a slice for five dollars. All he had was snacks. I told you I was young. I told you young people are dumb. I hope you're listening. Because what happens to me after lunch is by far the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Regarding you food. I mean, not the worst experience that has to be, to me. I mean, 
correct that a little bit here. Expand on that. So, I take my happy ass down to this little gas station. Hey, what's up? That's how you greet him. I walk into there and I look around and I get what a 22-year-old gets to eat. Did I look in the little refrigerator for sandwiches? No, 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 no. I probably only had $10. Not being generous with $10. I don't go there. I don't go to the sandwich cabinet. Do I get a Gatorade or an apple juice drink? No, 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 no. I buy two Baby Ruths, a Suzy Q, which, if you don't know what a Suzy Q is, just imagine two pieces of chocolate cake with, um, what's that stuff called? Cream filling. Basically the size of a bar of soap, a little bigger than a bar of soap, a big bar of soap, soap on a rope size. And I got the, <laughs> I got to drink the diabetes in a cup of the late 90s. Diabetes in a bottle. A Mountain Dew. Now, not just any Mountain Dew. But back in the 90s, Mountain Dew made this soda called the Mountain Dew Surge. Let me tell you about the Mountain Dew Surge. You have Coca-Cola. You have Pepsi. You have Dr. Pepper. You have crack cocaine. Then you have the Mountain Dew Surge. I can't tell you the difference between cocaine and Mountain Dew. I definitely can't tell you the difference between Mountain Dew, and Mountain Dew Surge and cocaine. Because I've seen people on cocaine. I've seen me on Mountain Dew Surge. I saw me almost die on Mountain Dew Surge. I don't know what possessed me to buy this and then drink it. Now, I probably had a bag of chips in there too because that's how I rolled. That's some stupid shit I would have done. Why would I buy two Baby Ruths? I don't know. They were 45 cents. I probably said, give me two. This way I won't be hungry all day. Genius. So, I get in my car, put my shit in the car, hold job, feel good, got my snacks, all right, cool. I got time, I'll go back to the job, I'm sitting in my car with the heat running so I can eat my food. And that's what I do, warm my feet up in my shitty boots, and I eat my candy bars and my Suzy Q, and then I drink the soda. Now, I didn't drink all the soda, I put it in my pocket and I carried it around a little bit. And as I'm walking around, doing my job, I drink the rest of the soda. Now, I'm going to say I finished all that in less than a half hour, less than an hour time, 45 minutes. So I wasn't hungry. I was good. I was great for about 30 minutes. And then some said I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom. I went to a porta potty. Now, I went to a porta potty. And I'm not proud of this. But I sat on the toilet in the porta potty. Because something happened to me that I never felt in my life. I was about to explode and I feel like it was going to come from everywhere but I said porta potty I'm outside working if I throw up I just throw up now the porta potty is freezing it's February in Michigan it's really cold in February in Michigan it's really cold it's not like no joke it's really cold I had to matter of fact you know what this had to be I had to be 21 it had to be 
seven, yeah, I wasn't 22, 23. I was 21 because 21, 22. Because I remember the car I had. This had to be like 1996, maybe 97. So I'm 2021. 20, and um, I came out of that porta potty. And as I walk out and the cold air hits me, everything starts spinning. I mean, everything. The grounds are spinning. The walls are spinning. I can't stand up. I cannot stand up. I can't. Everything's spinning. So I close my eyes. I open them again. Figuring if I close my eyes and open them again, everything will stop. It didn't stop. It got worse. It was worse. So I don't remember who I told. My pride told the foreman or whoever, I'm sick. I got to go. So he's like, all right, go ahead, go on. Now, in the beginning of the story, I told you I drove 52 miles, 54 miles to get out there. I had to drive 54 miles back with the equivalent of a hangover. Yeah. I I remember three points in driving home. I remember one where I said, just keep your eyes open. Because I couldn't, because I felt like I was, I felt like I was, I was going to sleep. Everything was spinning. I felt like I was, to, I was going to sleep. I remember getting off of one freeway. I had to transition onto a freeway to go west, east, west. I went east and west. And, well, I'll go west and west, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. I remember seeing my chain. I said, focus, focus. At one point in time, I looked down. I was doing 105. Now, I'm a good driver. I um, I I I um. However, I attribute attribute my survival that day to luck. Because I saw I said a hundred and something. I said, "You gotta slow down because you're gonna kill yourself." I don't. I don't. I don't remember how I got home. The last thing I remember is seeing my driveway. I pulled up into the driveway. I got out of my car. I went into my mother's house. I threw off everything I had. Literally, I stripped down to my underwear. I fell in my bed in my red room, my red 1970s shag carpet. I laid there for a few minutes. And that's when I realized I'm going to throw up. And everything that I bought at that little gas station was refunded. I literally overdosed on sugar. I would have probably, after I thought about it, came to and settled down. I probably would have been okay if I just had the candy bars and the Suzy Q. The Mountain Dew Surge put it over the top. There's so much sugar in that thing. It's, you know, look, I don't drink Mountain Dew this day because I think that they're like the devil. I think that they're, they're they're evil. I think they're evil, and they should have an age limit on it. I don't think anyone over 16 should drink a Mountain Dew ever. I don't care what it is. I don't care what Mountain Dew it is. I don't think anyone over 16 should drink a Mountain Dew. Just simple. simple. That's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I won't touch this stuff. I haven't purchased it. If someone brings Mountain Dew into this house, in my house, I'm not touching it. I won't. 
there are now two things I will not drink in this world. Mountain Dew and 1800 Black Label. I don't think they even make it anymore. And for good reason. They still make Mountain Dew, though. That tells you Mountain Dew Corporation, the Pepsi Corporation, has not learned their fucking lesson. So, as I said, as I told you, I made it home in one piece. I learned my lesson. Um, I did go back to the job, and I kept the job. Um, I did, uh, subsequently, I ended up quitting because they asked me to go and change a light bulb. And that dinosaur light bulb I told you about, that's about 10 inches long. And literally, it's shaped like a dinosaur egg. I mean, that's well, that's what it looks like. That, I mean, there's no other way to call it. I mean, you, it's like, it's heavy. But they put me in a lift on a, on a dirt dirt area to go up and change one of those light bulbs that hang on the Spider-Man webs. And I realized halfway up that this was my last day doing this shit. I realized that. Um. I did that. I, I was done. When I came back down, I unbuckled my harness. I hung it up in the trailer. And my hard hat that I usually kept with me, I left it there. Now, I got lucky because um, that day, the same day, they sent me back to the shop. But I was done. It was luck. They sent me back to the shop while I worked in the shop sorting tools out. I was not doing it anymore. I said to myself, I'm going to kill myself for someone. And I hope it will be someone before myself because I didn't want to die. But I had to quit. I had to quit. So, uh, that's my story of survival. And my, also my story of leaving electrical jobs. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I loved the work. I love being in different places. I love the people. The people were awesome. I've worked in offices in my current field for years. And I still say the people in electrical trades and the tradesmen in general were the, the best people I've ever worked with. Hands down. And I don't care if some people I've worked with in other scenarios I'm listening. I'm sorry, not sorry. They were the best people. And those people that have been hear me that hear me say this and know me, go work with some tradesmen. You'll feel the same way. The dudes are awesome. The environment's awesome. Everyone is. All the ladies and guys I work with in different places, the people, it's fun. They're just great people. It's a different experience. So, um that's my that's my story about that. Uh, I hope I've um enlightened you. And made you smile a little bit after the earlier story. See, what's funnier than me saying I took a dump in a porta potty in the middle of a powerhouse field and then threw up and drove 54 miles half conscious and didn't die? I can laugh about that now because I didn't die. Didn't even hear anything, Darnoa. So I didn't. The car didn't have a mark on it. I survived. It's wonderful. However, had I been pulled over, they they thought I was drunk, and they probably would have been right, and they probably would have taken me to the hospital, which is probably where I needed to go. I probably did, but I didn't. So fuck them. <laughs> All right, y'all. That's gonna be about it for tonight, or today, whatever it is. I don't know if it's day or night. We'll catch you here next time. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then. I'm Gregory.